This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to Hockey News Podcast, presented by BetMGM and McKenney Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so I'm not sure about you, but I'm a bit of an early riser. I like to get up, you know, watch the sunrise, contemplate my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at, at 6.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time this morning, um, the NHL dropped a pretty, like, landmark, huge announcement for the future of what at least the look of the league is going to be, um, in that they announced that Fanatics... Um, the juggernaut uh, apparel company that has essentially just dominated the market ever since uh, they really broke through um, is now going to be the official on-ice jersey supplier, jersey partner of uh, mm-hmm. the NHL beginning in 2024-25 uh, like after the deal with the current deal, at least with Adidas, expires. Um, it's, it's a huge announcement. Uh, it's a 10-year partnership. So uh, likely by the time you know, global warming wipes us out and everything, uh, the deal will still be going on. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty, it, it, this is pretty big news. Uh, it happened pretty early, so thankfully we were able to cover it today. Indeed. This is fresh, hot off the press, uh, right. you know. Um, what do we think about this? I think it's very interesting. Every time we get one of these deals, um, you want to see what the new company is going to do, mm-hmm. uh, mostly from a design perspective. And I think, you know, with Adidas, for me, the lasting legacy would be the reverse retro jerseys, uh, where we had some huge home runs. We had some that were misses, but you're going to expect that when you have 32 teams. They were mainly, it was probably like, I would say, 85, 90%. I was going to say, like, yeah, 80, 20. Really good. Yeah, like 80, it, yeah exactly. And they do, they did two iterations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the big challenge for Fanatics, obviously, is going to sort of be to, to win over fans. And, you know, what we're hearing, which is very interesting, is that the replica jerseys that yes. fans will buy will be made in the same Quebec factory as the actual NHL mm-hmm. jerseys that will be worn on ice by the teams. So uh, that's a very interesting bit of information that... Um, I, I think would probably assuage the fears of, of some out there uh, just in terms of what the replicas are going to look like versus the, the real thing. Look, this is the first time that Fanatics will be, uh, will be supplying on ice or on field, I guess, on, during play mm-hmm. uh, jerseys or uniforms uh, in professional sports. They obviously have been pr- providing all of the apparel basically for, or the off-field apparel for the MLB, the NHL, and I believe the NFL as well. Uh, for the last, uh, I believe, ever since 2017. Uh, 2018 is when they came into the NHL. Um, look, social reaction hasn't been great to this, um, but I've been looking at it more ever since it came out, you know, in the four or five hours since it's dropped. And I thought, yeah, okay, so there's there's been a couple more little tidbits of information that's come out. And I'm very tepid, you know, very hesitant. We, I mean, we had a Fanatic CEO, uh, Joe Bozich, as uh, in the featured magazine. in yep. the magazine, featured in Money and Power. He did a photo shoot. Um, very, you know, brilliant guy. Um, obviously, you know, uh, uh, Fanatics is a bit of an interesting reputation when it comes to the consumer side of things. But what what is, que- I guess, not quelling completely, but what is really sort of at least giving me inspiring confidence is that these jerseys are going to be a made in Canada, right? Like you said, um, but they're also like the replicas are going to be made in the same factory. Um, they're not, you know, sort of, uh, you know, outsourcing it and, mm-hmm. and slapdashing it all together. Yeah. Seems like it's going to be, the, at least the replicas are going to be in the same place as the actual jerseys that the players will be wearing, which w- you would lead to think it's going to be similar quality, like it, you know, that, that'd be great. Um, another two is that this is, the, they're going to be using the same factory in, in Quebec that, you know, the current Adidas jerseys are being made in. Yes, that's true. So it's not even like, you know, they're taking all this, they're moving it. 
you know, moving it, you know, all across the world, they're going to be used, at least like they're going to be using cheap materials. Like it, it they're going to be using the, the same factory that the current jerseys are at. So it seems like, you know, it seems like the NHL expected some trepidation with this, um, uh, with this announcement, but it looks like at least from the surface, they're doing everything they can um, to inspire confidence and to prove the, the average fan, uh, or at least prove the hard, not the average fans, but the hardcore fans who are really, really passionate about, you know, their, their apparel and even the jerseys that, that players wear. Um, prove them wrong and, and inspire confidence. And I think that's good. Um, the NHL also said that they've, uh, you know, sort of brought together a ton of uh, inspired minds, like design minds and sports business minds and all that together, um, which seems to be good. Uh, so, it, you know, they're, they're doing their best and uh, who knows? This could be this could be great. This could be good for hockey-related revenue as well. Um, and in my opinion, anything that gets the cap, the salary cap up is 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 a okay with me. So this is a, this is a huge announcement. It will be really really interesting to see uh, you know how this unfolds. They did say as well, or, or at least uh, I believe it's ESPN's Greg Wyshynski said that any actual design changes to jerseys likely won't take effect until around 2026-27. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least like they're not going to come in and redesign you know the Montreal Canadiens logo to be like a dragon or something, you know, like it's, even though that'd be very cool. Um, So I think that they're, I think like, I I don't think the change will be as dramatic as people think it is. And it seems like they're very committed to, uh, you know, to putting a good product out there and, and, you know, re-inspiring confidence. And that's all you can really ask for from from an announcement like this, I think. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, personally, I am cautiously excited. I would like to see what they do. Um, Apparel is very cool, very important, very important to growing the game. And if you really nail it, you know, that, it, it matters, especially to the average fan. Um, all right, Ryan, let's move on. Uh, the wild card. Yes. The wild card. Uh, this is essentially now that the trade deadline's over, now that, you know, everything is, you know, there's no transactions, there's no rumors in that regard. Um, it's the playoff line. It's the playoff watch. And their teams are actually, you know, like we just with the way the division is, is structured now, or at least the divisional uh, alignment is structured now, the, the teams at the top are pretty much set. And we still have like, you know, 10, 11, 12 games remaining. So their uh, teams are resting, guys. Mm-hmm. I kind of got, uh, uh, I won't say screwed in, in fantasy, but Boston did rest uh, Dmitry Orlov over the weekend in, on the final day of my playoff matchup, and they mm-hmm. did lose by the three per- points he was projected to get, so that mm-hmm. was fun. Um, but on the other flip side, there are teams that are, there's, there is just a, a dogfight for the last uh, couple wildcard spots here in both conferences. How are we feeling about uh, this overall race? And... Who should we be worried about here? Yeah, so I'll start in the East where it feels like we're down to three teams for two spots. I, yes. I feel like Ottawa, they, they, they made their final push. They made a valiant effort. Yeah, yeah. that game against the Leafs uh, on Saturday, it was kind of, I, I think, a metaphor for the season mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, great effort. They managed to tie it up super yeah. late. Uh, you know, Brady Kachuk, one of my favorites. Yes, uh, incredible. Certainly came through in the clutch. And then it ca- came down to the wire. And I believe it was what a, a nine-round shootout. Yeah, like, and they great. got they got beat by Alex Kerfoot, who hadn't scored a real goal in more than twenty games. It's just sort of like, you you did your best, but I I, I they probably have a little too much ground to make up right yes. now. And another one of their problems is the the Florida Panthers have turned things around. Oh yeah. And we'll talk about the cats a, a little more later. Oh, the cats, they're, they're cats. Not, huh? the okay. cardiac cats. Oh, yeah. I didn't make that up. Okay. Um, the team I'm kind of worried about is Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, because they've lost four in a row, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And 
the last three games, they have scored a total of three goals. Yes. Uh, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm looking at the Islanders who are, you know, they're in that one slot right now, and they're winning more than they're losing. I think they've won six of ten. So I feel like even though some teams have games in hand, I, I feel like the Islanders are in a pretty good spot. Uh, right now, in terms of momentum, uh, I would take Florida over Pittsburgh. Uh, and, you know, the, the Penguins, like I say, they're in a tough spot. Uh, and then over in the West, I mean, Nashville's not out of it. No, which is wild. Which is totally wild. Which because is there nuts. were sellers at the deadline. Yeah. Um, when I look at the Predators, they have a couple of games coming up at the end of this week against Seattle. Like, back-to-back games against Seattle. That could be their season. Yes. Truly. Just, just like how the Senators game against the Leafs basically was their season. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's big. And then you look at Calgary and Winnipeg, two teams that are really kind of, like, struggling right now. I look at both their schedules, and they're not easy. They're not hard. Like, I think both teams play the Ducks. I think both teams might play the Sharks. Um, you know, but then you got, like, games against Vegas and, like, you know, better teams. So that one is just a super toss-up because, you know, Calgary, it feels like every game they're down one nothing within the first minute, uh, and then either they rally or they don't, um, which is, sorry, a hilarious non-comment on my part. Um, and then Winnipeg has been banned. They either rally or they don't. Exactly. Wow. Is there a third Fact. option that they can have there? I don't think so. Sometimes they just yeah. skate away and mm. uh, never come back. Um, that one, that's rare, though. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've actually seen that. Uh, and Winnipeg's been banged up and, mm-hmm. and just seems to have sort of lost their mojo. Um, so, so that's tight. Uh, I'm kind of worried about both those teams, but at this point it kind of feels like at least one of them's going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> someone's got to step up. Uh, 100%. I, look, I think everyone can say that like Pittsburgh might be the most, uh, uh, I would say, like hand-wringing situation. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's white-knuckling in Pittsburgh. I'm not sure yeah. if, uh, like, if you if you get, take a gander over to Penguins Twitter every once in a while, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, it shows up on my page because I, you know, I, I follow a bunch. Of, I have a you know a bunch of people I'm very friendly with, and Jesse Marshall is one of the hosts of the uh, Staffograph podcast, and, and he's really locked in there as well. But holy smokes, it is like a civil war in Pittsburgh right now. Like it right. is. Crazy. Jeff Carter is like the 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 whipping boy there right now. It seems, uh-huh. and you know I haven't paid a, close enough attention to his game this season. But a, but if you base it on what's going on over over there, I mean he is just you know he, just the worst person in the world. It seems. Yin's got controversy. The main the and obviously I mean any team that with with Malkin, Crosby, Latang, Gensel, you know like all of those guys um, not being able to make the playoffs is unacceptable, especially after. The, uh, the Penguins went back and were like, all right, we're going to re-sign all these veteran guys. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to keep the core together, keep the band together on long-term deals with the expectation that, yes, it might you know, hurt in a couple of years, but at least for these couple of years, your the window is still open. And this is the first year of the window, and they might not even make it. Yeah. It's, it's tough. The team that no one, like, and you mentioned them, but uh, I haven't seen any conversation nationally. I haven't seen any conversation either in Canada or, like, none at all is the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. This is a team that was near the top or at the top of their division for most of the season. And they, and basically ever since the new year, almost after the year, they have been among the worst teams in the league. This yeah. is a, this is a team that is at this point, like, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make it. Like they, I, I took a look at the record. They, they have 17 losses in their last 27 games. Wow. 
they've been shut out four times on that stretch. They, their most recent game was a shutout. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a this is a team that is in absolute free fall. And basically, like I, I hope that you know my my I have a really good friend who's a Jets fan. Um, and he and believe me, he's been blowing up our group chat talking about how no one is talking about this. Why is it? So I'm doing this for you, Brad. There you go. But like this we is hear a you. you take a look at this team. You take a look at the recent results. You take a look at just everything. Their defensive metrics, but also the fact that they cannot score. Mm-hmm. And th- like this is this is a team that was battling out with the Stars for the top of their division. It looked like they were one of the best stories in the league. Rick Bonus comes in. You know, like like d- makes a huge move by stripping Blake Coleman, or not Blake Coleman. Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler of the captaincy. Yeah. Blake Coleman caught astray there. I apologize. <laughs> um, but stripping Blake Wheeler of the captaincy, uh, it se- he seems like he went in there and his voice was exactly what they needed, and they reestablished a locker room, and it is just completely falling apart. Like this is a this is an eighteen wheeler type yeah, yeah. collapse, and it doesn't like I don't understand what could what factor or what like addition. Or, you know, like, it's not even like they have, like, a superstar that's going to be coming back from injury. The only thing I can think of is when they lost Cole Perfetti to injury, it seemed to, like, fall apart. Yeah, but he's, like, at, what, like, 20? Like, it's... But the, the funny thing is, like, he's something that they don't have a lot yes. of, which is really young guys. And whose fault is that? <laughs> like, uh, it's, hey, it, going, yeah. it's not like there's a rule that the that the Winnipeg Jets can only have one really no, no, young guy on true. the roster. It's true, but I think it's one of those things that you don't think about un- yeah. until it happens, and then it's like he just had that that different mindset. I mean, he's so mm-hmm. smart out there. Uh, he can obviously produce. You know, he was having a great offensive season for them, and yeah, I think it's one of those. It's like a kid that you didn't think you'd miss until you didn't have him, and then all of a sudden, just that whole puzzle piece. Uh, just didn't seem to line up for whatever reason. That's a damning indictment on the way this roster is being built. Then that if that if your your playoff hopes on a team that has Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, you know all like Josh Morrissey who came out of nowhere to be a Norris contender. You have yep. one of the two I would say best goalies in the league. Yep. And Cole Perfetti is the the straw that breaks the can. Like the Leafs, the Leafs lost Nick Robertson. It, it, you know, and and they didn't immediately go into a tailspin. So it's right. but he's never produced like Perfetti. Yeah, but they're both yeah. like small, small but like really shifty guys. Like it's yeah. this is like I don't I don't know who to blame here. Like, it's true, and it might just be one of those things where just the mojo went away, and yeah. you got to figure out you know because it's funny you know like talked to Josh Morrissey and Connor Halebuck at the All Star mm-hmm. game, and you know they talked about the the culture this year. They wanted it to be fun. They wanted mm-hmm. it to be. Like, you know, and they were saying, like, the culture wasn't broken Mm -hmm. last year, but, you know, they could improve on it. And Rick Bonus came in, and uh, I I think an important thing was just the the structure, like getting the defense more involved in the offensive attack. And what we've seen from Josh Morrissey is a career season. Um, And it obviously, uh, you know, it it was interesting uh, talking to Rick Bonus sort of a week or two later, and he, he told me, you know, when he was with Dallas, they always game planned for Josh Morrissey. And mm. this was a player that he loved before he even got to coach him, and now you know he likes him even more. Um, so it, I don't think it's a matter of you know something breaking specifically, but it's just something's off. Yeah, something they they do seem to have sincerely lost their mojo. Um, it, it, it's things are not going great there. Another team that again you mentioned this is in the West too, and the thing about the West is we need to be harder on them because the West is wide open. Like, yeah, like yeah. As compared to the East, like yeah. the West is... It's not locked in the same way. Nothing is locked in the same way. And even the teams at the top, at least when it comes to regular season results, they don't have the high-end like, high results 
that teams in the in in the East do. Yeah. Like like the Bruins have a 100 plus 113 goal differential right now. <laughs> right. I saw someone. It was completely unrelated to the tweet that I saw it, and it was someone like, oh, look at the standings. Like Calgary's out of a playoff spot. I'm like, I'm sorry, but like it just says plus 113 beside Boston. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but you look at the Calgary Flames, and they this is this is a, a, like an unmitigated disaster. This yeah. is like. No, like, and I know we've mentioned this before, but everyone seems to hate get going to the rink right now. Like, it is, and again, I'm not talking to the Calgary Flames, but like, you just look at their faces. Like, like uh, Jonathan Huberto's agent came out and basically called for the coach to get fired. There are reports now that Nazem Kadri is be, has been very vocal behind the scenes mm-hmm. about how you know coaching, how the t- the locker room has essentially been lost. The, if you look at their record, and it's funny, like if you look at their their results and record. Before that, it was like pretty, pretty steady. Mm. And someone put up this graph the other day of like what the you know all the uh, uh, all the records of, of the wildcard teams. So right. someone put this graph up where it's the Calgary Flames. They're kind of steady, you know, like underwhelming but fine. Yeah. Daryl Sutter uh, uh, insults Jacob Peltier's debut, and right. literally it goes down. Yeah. It's like it's like the behemoth at Canada's Wonderland. Like right. it goes down like that. It is nuts. I, I cannot imagine this coach sticks around. And this is a guy who won the Jack Adams last year. They, it's the Jack Adams curse. It's crazy. Yeah. They, they go, look, it does, like, everyone was spinning this as the, the, the summer of Brad. Yes, you yeah. lose to Chuck and Goudreau. Those yeah. are two foundational players that you drafted, developed, raised, went through ups and downs with. But you went out and you turned it into Jonathan Huberto, who, who that season set the, the, uh, set the assist record for left wingers in a oh. single season. Mackenzie Weger, who's a legitimate number one defenseman in the NHL, who uh, you know who is on a great deal this year and is now signed, uh, you know, signed to another deal. Yep. You, then you sign arguably the biggest free agent on the market in Nassim Kadri. Yep. Um, you get a bunch of guys back, and then on top of that, bef- these two players, you know, going into a place that just lost two found- foundational stars, these two stars in their own right, sign the maximum term deals mm-hmm. before even playing a single game for your team. So that's, that's, that's huge in their belief in what you're, what you're building. That's huge for the fan base who just, who, who had to deal with, you know, a month of no one wants to live or play in Calgary. And then these two stars who gave up basically the remainder of their primes to play yeah. for you. And this is how it goes. Like it is, this is a disaster. I don't like it, the, the, the flames are fighting for playoff lives last night and they lost eight, two to the Los Angeles Kings last night. Yeah. And if you look at their, their results, their goaltending has cratered. And I have a question for you. Yes. And sorry, I don't want to make this a long winded thing, but I have That's a question okay. for you. Cause I'm, I'm genuinely curious yeah. and you're more of a prospect guy. Yeah. Like did, like has Justin or Dustin Wolf has he killed someone or something? Like do like is is Why there, they bring him up? Exactly. Like yeah. what is going if you look at his numbers, he is like consistent like nine twenty six to nine forty eight in yeah. every league he's played in for the last like five years. Yeah. And your number one problem is goaltending. Yes. Jacob Markstrom is sinking your team. Every yeah. time you turn on a Flames game, the, the score will be tied 5-5. The other team will have 47 shots. And the, or the other team, sorry, the other team will have like 26 shots. Right. And the Flames will have 47 and it'll still be tied. Yeah. Why won't they bring up their homegrown stud goaltender who is in the, in the AHL, who is putting up absurd, who is arguably the best goal in the AHL? Yes. Why won't they bring him up? I don't get it. Okay, so this is a fantastic please, question. Please yes. give me some clarity. Yes, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to weave a whole bunch okay, of things Okay, here we go, here we go. Um, weave a narrative tapestry for will, me, right? okay. okay, so first of all, you have Daryl Sutter, who... Hates is, young people. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> um, 
obviously it's life and death for the playoffs yes, right now. Yes. This is a guy who trusts older players, right? And yes, Jacob Markstrom has been a huge problem. Uh, and I do feel like every time I turn on a Flames game on a Saturday night, if I'm like five minutes late, it's already one nothing yes. for the other team. Um, but I, I see a reticence there because if you're if you're Daryl Sutter and you are more of a veteran coach, you're saying to yourself, "Am I gonna put my season on the line?" Which at this point is every night for a kid that has never played in the NHL. Now, right or wrong, mm-hmm. I'm just saying no. that's the logic. No, it makes there. a lot of sense, and it's right? also not just the season; it's likely your job on the it's line. It's totally too. your yeah, job, yeah. so that yeah. makes sense. And, yeah. and that's I'm, I'm gonna say that if the Flames miss the playoffs, there's no reason to keep Daryl Sutter. He obviously was fantastic last year for them. And but this isn't last year. But it's not last exactly, year. Exactly, yeah. And I did feel like there was a period where, you know, the Flames, and again, like Bradshaw Living, I don't know how many GMs have gone through as much, like, adversity as Bradshaw Living the past few years. Or has hired as many coaches. And, that, and that's why yeah. he had to keep Daryl Sutter for a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's been long enough where, and you have enough new guys where you can say, okay, I can make a clean cut from this guy, and it's no longer that cycle of coaches going through. So I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Dustin Wolf, yes, in junior, when he played for Everett, he was one of the best goaltenders in all of major junior. Um, and then in the AHL, ever since he got there, he's been one of the best goaltenders in the AHL, if not the best. Now, he is small. He's he listed six at six feet. foot. Yep. Yes. Um, and we know you're... And yeah. as I say, short goals will break your heart. Now, having said that, I would like to see Dustin Wolf get games down the stretch because NHL players don't have a book on him. No, and they don't. We've seen this time and again where in the short term, a goalie can just knock people out because they don't know his tendencies. What we do know about Dustin Wolf is he stops a lot of pucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a fantastic goaltender and... You never know. I mean, the best case scenario is obviously UC Soros. Like, that's yes. what you're hoping for. And I think we'll get to this later in the we show are as going well, to, talking yeah. about Devin Levi. Um, but in the short term, I don't mind it. And for me, the short goalie thing is more a playoff yes. thing. When you're playing only against great teams you, with shooters, you pick this guy apart, they're going to go over yeah. your shoulder. But yeah. in the regular season, like, if you need a win, uh, over like a bottom feeding team, over like Columbus on a Tuesday night, like, exactly. Go for it, yeah. Yeah, if you're playing a team that has trouble scoring, totally toss Dustin Wolf in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could get you like a 35 save shutout. You don't know. Yeah. But I understand the reticence because literally Daryl Sutter, this might be it. He's a coach that already has a shelf life. Yes. And you know we see that with ironically several Jack Adams winners. You know mm-hmm. John Tortorella has been the same. It's like he yeah. can win you a Stanley Cup. He can turn your also-ran team into a playoff team, or it can all fall apart. And you just have to figure out what that timeline is. Sometimes both. Yeah, exactly. Um, you just have to figure out what that timeline mm-hmm. is. Daryl said is the same. He could win you a Stanley Cup, or his players could barricade him out of the dressing room, uh, as they allegedly did in Los Angeles, where they could put a... a did they? I didn't, I didn't see that. That was a story years ago. Oh, I'm not oh, sure if oh, it was in, Los in Los Angeles. Because they played the Kings last time. I'm like, wait a second. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, allegedly. Um, so it can go one of yeah. two ways there. So, yeah, I would love to see Dustin Wool. And to me, it was like, if Calgary's out, then you definitely should play Dustin Oh, Wool. yeah, yeah. But at this point, I'm even thinking, he might save your season. Just exactly. Because he could steal you a couple of games before 
teams catch on to what his tendencies are. That's that's that is 100% like not even just catching on to tendencies but like I think this guy A has earned it. But like I want to like totally. Re, like look at his stats. Like keep in mind this is only this is a 21-year-old. Yeah. Goalies like they don't especially in the AHL Goalies don't usually even get a shot to be the team's number one starter, especially seventh round picks. This guy was picked 214th overall in 2019. And again, it was a height thing. Exactly. Yeah. But like this, I covered the AHL for you know for a long time. That's how I started. That's how I started. And I, you look at these, you look at young goalies. Like they don't usually get a shot to be, at least to get like real consistent games in the AHL until like 22, 23 years old. Like they, like teams are very hesitant about that. Mm. And um, but you look at this guy's stats. It's in 2017-18, Everett Silvertips, 928 save percentage in, in 20 games. 61 games next year, 936. Uh, 46 games next year, 935. He has a three games, you know, ATO or PTO, whatever you, do, yeah. you know, players do, 895, whatever. Next year goes back to junior for 22 games in his overage, or, or, yeah, in his overage season, COVID year as well, 940. Goes to, goes to the AHL last year uh, as a 20-year-old, mind you. In the AHL facing grown, grown oh, men. 47 games, 924. In the playoffs, too, you know, he starts 13, he, start, he starts 13 games. And then this year, you know, you, you, he's, he's 21 years old. He's still a young buck. He can just start to buy uh, a drink in the States uh, right. these days. 930 save percentage in 48 games. This is it, like, I don't care, you know, what your inclinations are here. I don't care, you know, like, wh- like what your biases are for players. It doesn't matter. Like, your job is to win. Like, this is a win-now team. Yes. Um, you all, you like, you basically need like you. Every good player on your roster is approaching an age where they will their their trajectories will start to dip. Yeah. Some would argue they already have. Right. And um and so for you like your job is to squeeze every ounce of success out of every single game you have. Mm. And if you and if you are actively choosing or if you're actively uh, I guess subverting or or, or ignoring. Who, someone who might be the best goalie in your organization right now. Yeah. Like, it, like, it's not just that Markstrom and Vladar have been, you know, like, not good enough or whatever. They're, like, Markstrom's an 8, I believe it's an 889, and Vladar is an 893. Like, yeah. these are two goalies who are way below average. They are tanking your season. Yeah. It is irresponsible of you to not at least give this kid a shot. Yeah. Because, A... He's producing the numbers. He's producing numbers far and away better than anyone his age group, other than like Yaroslav Askarov, yeah. who is like a transcend, trans, you know, transcendent goalie prospect. Yeah. Number two, like, so he's he's earned it with his performance, and also like, you have like if you don't try something new, what do you have to lose? What is the point? point? Like yeah. exactly, like what is the point of showing up to the rink every day if you're just gonna go like, all right, throw Jacob out there again? Yeah. Like it's uh, it makes right. no sense to me. Yeah, it's uh, frustrating. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Moving over to the Sunshine State, we were just uh, we were just here for the All Star Game. Um, Alexander Barkov set a pretty you know important milestone the other day in that he became the Florida Panthers all time points leader. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind he did this. I know Florida you know Florida is actually as old as I am. It was it was established in 1996. Oh okay. Um, so. Uh, uh, you know, that's that's the year I was born. There you go. So uh, in my lifetime, I'm 27 years old now. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, they're not necessarily like a really extensive franchise, but like the fact that Barkov was able to do this, and he's also 27, and he mm. did this at the age of 27, is pretty important. Um, but what like does this make him the best player in Florida Panthers history? Because there's a lot of different, uh, and I have a lot of different opinions that I'm sure we're going to joust over in okay, a second good. here. But does this does this make him the best player in Florida Panthers history um, already? 
I think he still has work to do. Yes. I would also like to point out, both you and the Panthers have been to one Stanley Cup final. That's true. Yeah. Look at that. Neither of you won, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think there needs to be more time because, as I mentioned, they have been to a, a mm-hmm. final. John Van Beesbrook uh, was yes. the goalie. Uh, he was pretty fantastic for them that whole run. Then you have Roberto Luongo, who is in the Hall of Fame, and not only was he important to the Panthers early in his career, but he came back. Yes. And I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, obviously he was great in Vancouver, but he came back to the Panthers. And I think just in terms of like, you know, retiring a number, that sort of, you know, ring of honor, that sort of thing, that, that means a lot. And then the other name you have to consider is Pavel Bure. Mm-hmm. Now, he, what's really interesting is I was looking at the all-time leaderboard for the Panthers, and not many of their top career scorers are point-per-game guys. Basically none of them. Basically none of them. Other than Burray. Except for Pavel Burray. Now, the thing with Burray is he played fewer than 300 games with the Panthers. Mm -hmm. So you do have to say to yourself, okay, well, was he there long enough to be considered the best ever. In terms of like an, like an overall talent, you know, Pavel Bure, one of the most talented guys that's ever played in the NHL, but obviously his career took him to a couple of different NHL cities. Um, so I feel that Barkoff is on track, and if he could get them back to a final one year or even win it, then it's like, oh, then it's, then game, it's over. game over, right? Like, you know, Barkoff, I, I mean, he's in all likelihood gonna play a thousand games for oh, yeah. the Panthers. And maybe at that point, maybe he doesn't have a thousand points, but maybe he's nine hundred something. I mean, he's, know, he's, a, he's a Selkie guy. You know, he's not like a hard, he's not a Rocket Richard guy. But he's not an Art Ross guy. Keep in mind too is that he's played six hundred and fifty-two games. He has six hundred fourteen points. He's close to a point per game. So if yeah. he reaches those thousand games, he will very likely be at least close to the thousand. At least points. close. Yeah. yeah. Um, but because he has that great two-way element, I don't think it's a it's not a knock on him if he only. Mm-hmm has 900 points in a thousand games. I think at that point you say, and if, if there's any sort of uh, playoff success, then you're like, yeah, that's the guy. Yes. Um, I think, yeah, I, I'm in agreement that I think he's on track to. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not, even though he's, he's the highest scoring guy, he's definitely not now. But then I look at like their, the, um, the Panthers sort of, uh, like the, the legends that you mentioned there, like, you know, Van, Bre- Van Beesbrook is, is in the conversation there, obviously, but um, I also, you know, like you, you mentioned Pavel Bure, uh, you mentioned Roberto Luongo, and then I also brought up Ole Jokinen because he spent the majority of his time yeah. there. But I look at Bure, like you, like that's the first name when I, you know, when when I was thinking about this, that's the first name that came to my mind. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, Pavel Bure, like he's, you know, the uh, he's he's an absolute, you know, superstar. Like yeah. he was, you know, one of the flashiest, you know, hardest shots. Like it, it, injuries, another guy whose injuries kind of derailed his career, but you know, still was able to put up crazy numbers. And then I look at it and go, he spent four seasons in Florida. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's not enough. He he produced. He, he scored, uh, uh, you know, he had 58 and 59 um, goals there, uh, but he, he spent, you know, like parts, uh, only parts of four seasons in Florida, yeah. two half seasons, really. Um, and then, uh, and then I, uh, as well, I look at uh, uh, Roberto Luongo. Mm-hmm. Yes, he came back. That's awesome. I think that's very good for, you know, his, his look in, in the fan eyes. And also, if you look back at his numbers in his second stint in Florida, he was really good. Yeah. Like, it's, like, he still had it. Like, I'm looking, I was looking at his numbers, and, like, he goes back to Florida. Everyone thought he was washed in Vancouver, right? He goes back to Florida, 924, 921, 922, 915, 929, and then finally... He's 40 years old and he does an 899, so he still almost breaks through that. Yeah. It's it's remarkable. Like he was 
there's, he was one of the best goalies in the league yeah. as like a senior citizen in Florida. You know, like just another example of, of, of senior citizens just thriving in Florida. I was going to say, that's the one state where he would not be considered a senior. He would still be considered a, young whippers, buck. a whippersnapper. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I look at, you know, where, where Luongo achieved most of his success. I look at, at where, like in terms of actual statistical stuff, but also like where he achieved the most playoff success, right. where he achieved the most all-star, uh, the highest all-star game votes and, and, and selections, and also where he where he won his his trophies. Like he he finished, you know, he, he never won the Vesna, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, but he finished runner-up uh, in his first year in Vancouver, seventh is next year, fourth is next year, tenth the next year, third the next year, but he did win the Jennings mm. uh, uh, with Corey Schneider in 2010, 2011. Um, he was also a second team all-star there. He also helped lead them to the, the, uh, the cup final. So I wonder, like, can you say that this guy's like the best as a Panther if right. the majority of his actual like tangible NHL success, his legacy success, mm-hmm. what, what, uh, came in somewhere else? He also won an Olympic gold medal. Um, um, some, you know, what, like while he was a Vancouver Canuck. So I wonder there too. And then Ole Jokinen, you know, very, like, you know, very, very good, good uh, career here. You know, he, seven years with the, with the Panthers, yeah. um, but it was 419 points in 567 games. So yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, zero playoff appearances. Zero playoff appearances, 100%. So yeah. it, it, it's crazy to think that it's somewhat slim pickings here. Um, but I, I would like. I think he's not quite there yet. I think we'll have to give the edge to Luongo just due to longevity. Yes. Um, but longevity. Longevity. Mm. There you go. Uh, but Barkov, he's like. <laughs> our, hated yeah. That yeah. We have our producer on the camera who yeah. just gave Ryan. Usually, I'm the guy getting the dirty looks, but yeah. Ryan, yeah. That was like um, championship eye roll. Exactly. I, I respect that. I, I do think that that uh, Barkov, it, barring even if he just continues his like doesn't improve or anything, just continues yeah. his normal pace, he will be a shoe in for that. Yeah. Um, all right, speak, uh, uh, we were talking about the playoff race. Another one was the tank to the bottom. Like yeah. that, that race, race to, the, I believe it's what, dishonor for Connor, as they call it. Oh, that's a good it. one. I think that's what people are, are saying. Oh, nice. Um, the race to the bottom is, is huge here. But one team that is built around this conceit, the yeah. dishonor for Connor. They were built to dishonor yes. the, the sport of hockey. Um, they are doing the opposite of that right now. Right. They are actively sabotaging their future. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, they've won four straight. They have points in eight of ten. They have not lost a game in regulation, I believe, in their last eight games. Um, and this is also after they stripped almost everything bare from their roster at the trade yep. deadline. Is this, first of all, what happened to tanking? And second of all, is this a team... You know how they say like the most dangerous, the most dangerous man is the one who has nothing to lose. Right. You know, is this like, like Rambo out in the yeah, <laughs> out yeah. in the bush? He's got nothing left, and he's coming right. for you. Is this is this Arizona? Like this is a this is a you know a, a feral man who's been left to the wilderness, who has nothing left to lose. So he's just like teams are are going into Mullet Arena at their own peril at this point. Right. Well, so here's the thing we always say is that players and coaches don't tank like. GMs can put their teams in a position to tank uh, by making trades and things like that. But players are always going to try, and coaches are always going to try. Mm-hmm. And Arizona has a great coach in Andre Tourney. And, you know, I look at what they've done lately, and, you know, I mean, you want this team to be good eventually. I mean, they're getting a lot of positive contributions. Like, Travis Boyd is red hot. Oh, yeah. Matias Michelli, who missed some time during He's injury, red it. hot. Yeah. You know, Clayton Keller's getting points. 
Um, you know, Ivan Prosvitov has been awesome yes. in net. Connor Ingram has been awesome in mm -hmm. net. Like they're giving, they're still giving up a lot of shots, but their goalies are stopping 100%. almost all of them. Yeah. Um, Yuso Valimaki uh, is hot lately, mm -hmm. and this is a defenseman that again had some injuries. Uh, so early in development, yeah, and you this know, year. didn't work out in Calgary, mm -hmm. um, but now it's like you're starting to see it. Where it's like, I mean. He always looked like he was going to be a great two-way defenseman as a prospect coming up, and it just it hadn't happened yet. But who's to say? Maybe it will happen yeah. now. Um, you know, and and you know, it, we kind of we kind of kid because if Arizona got Connor Bedard, then you would be looking at a future where their two number one their centers would be Connor Bedard and Logan Cooley with Dylan Gunther on the wing with Dylan and, Gunther yeah. on the wing and Clayton Keller. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you say to yourself, like, okay, well, that's something. That's, Not bad. that's the makings of a pretty sweet offense because Logan Cooley has been one of the best college players oh, in the nation this year. One of the best players outside the NHL, just period. Like, Fair enough. Incredible. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, future watch on stands yeah. now. I know uh, he's very high in that as well. Um, so right now I think Arizona would be drafting seventh if the lottery went chalk. They've passed a couple of teams recently, like Montreal and Philly. Yeah. Uh, in the East, they tank proper. Yes. Um, and uh, and uh, the Sharks as well have been uh, mm. brutalized. Um, but they also have Ottawa's first rounder as long as the Senators pick is not top five. Yep. So they could win the lottery still and still get a very high second pick mm -hmm. from the Senators. Because I think the Senators are slated to pick probably somewhere like between 13 11 or and 13, yeah. yeah, depending on the day. Uh, so the rebuild is still on track, but... Yeah, I mean, you you want to put yourself in a better position, but I mean, to be honest, like the worst teams like Columbus and San Jose and Anaheim, I think like they've put themselves out of reach long ago in yes. terms of actually being 32nd overall in the league. Uh, but what the Coyotes do have now is guys saying like, yeah, I want to be around. I want to be a regular mm. NHLer. I want to be around here long term. And this is the time to prove it. Look, this... <sighs> This is, this is maybe, like, in terms of the long-term sort of outlook uh, for, the, for the Arizona Coyotes, this is a nightmare. Like, I'm, like, I have to think that even though, you know, like, they all, every GM says, you know, like, we, we don't intend to tank, we want to win games, whatever. Right. Like, yeah, you know, they do. Like, we, we all know that. I got to think that Bill Armstrong is, is you know, like, is, is, is you know that, that, that gif of Jay-Z where he's, like, bopping, but he looks really worried? Like, he's, <laughs> where he's, like, he's like you know, yeah, like, yeah. That, I think that that's... I, I think that's got to be Bill Armstrong every time they score a goal. Right. It's like, oh, great. Like, yeah. you know. Um, but at the same time, like, like you said, this, what's, what they're showing is that, A, like, a lot, like, they're figuring out who to keep on this roster um, uh, moving forward because it's going to be decimated no matter. Everyone in Arizona is signed to one-year deals other than, you know, like Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, like, there, there are a lot of players who are getting opportunities on this team um, down the stretch run where you would think that games don't really matter anymore, but at least in terms of like a pride thing and a development thing, yeah. they are. And they're showing that they belong. And I think that's a really, and, and they're showing that on top of that, they're going like, they're, they're showing people that, hey, you might get an opportunity here. It's not a bad place to play. You know, like, and, and they have a great coach and Andre uh, Durney, who I think is great. This is, as much as it really, really hurts, I'd say like their future projection, obviously any team getting Connor Bedard would be great. Mm. I feel like in the summer they, Assembled this roster in order to get Connor Bedard, and it right. just hasn't worked. But I, you know, from a from the perspective of 
you know, making this a viable place for NHL players to play. I think this is doing a great job. Indeed. And you always love to see these teams who everyone writes off and they come out and they, they flourish. That's great. Exactly. Um, all right, moving on. A great story. We, it seems like we get one of these every, every couple of years. Yeah. For some reason, it is, seems to always be with the Ottawa Senators. It's true, um, yeah. But uh, Dylan Ferguson, Toronto Marley's legend, um, Toronto training camp legend. The, here, here's his journey. The Leafs, um, they signed him to a PTO for training camp. Yep. Keep in mind, this is Dylan Ferguson who... He was in the Vegas system for a bit. He yeah. actually... Uh, he was drafted by Dallas. He was drafted by yeah. Dallas. He was in the Vegas system for a bit. He had to get called up and play a game in relief. So he didn't start, but he yeah. played a game in relief. I think he was like 19 with that. He happened. was. He was. He, he went back to his junior team after yeah. that. Like, I believe he was, was an emergency the, recall. He was with yeah, Kamloops. Exactly. Yeah. He was in the WHL. Um, and it was because uh, th- that first year the Vegas was playing... Like all, they, their all of their goalies got hurt. And so they ended up having to rely on Maxim Legacy and Dylan Ferguson yeah. for a little bit. Um, then he goes back to WHL, he rises up. Um, so the Leafs this year signed to a PTO for training camp. Um, then they, they have a huge sort of like glut of, of, uh, of goalies, but a lot of them are either suspended in, in uh, um, uh, Dryden McKay or injured in um, uh, uh, Joseph Wool. So he sticks around with the Marlies on a, a, an AHL PTO. And he sticks with the Marlies for four months on a PTO. He gets some, he gets some starts there. And then Eric Schalgren goes back down. Um, and then Keith Petruzzelli starts to play really well. Uh, and then Joseph Wool comes back from injury. And then the Marlies end up having this huge glut of, of, uh, of goalies here. And so he's, not, he's still on this PTO, but he's not really seen. And then in February, I believe it's February 23rd, 22nd? No, February 22nd, he is, they signed him to a one-year AHL deal. So everyone goes, okay, what's going on here? Like, the Leafs have three goalies in the AHL right now. Um, and then they also have a bunch of guys in, in, the, uh, in the ECHL who, are, who would likely, in other, any other circumstance, warrant a call-up. Um, so, but yet they sign him. Then they loan him the next day to ECHL Wichita. Um, for for some reason, I guess just to get games, and then and then a bit later they they then trade him to the Belleville Senators, to which then the Belleville Senators or the Ottawa Senators sign him to a prorated one year two way deal, and then last night he makes his NHL first NHL start, so technically debut yep. for the Ottawa Senators and stops in a game that look although their season is is it looks to be like they're still in it right and they're playing uh, you know a very good team. And he ends up like a very good team, a team that is also fighting for their lives in the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you know he's facing Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang in his first game. He stops forty-seven shots to lead them to victory. Yeah. What a story! Yes. And what I love is you're right. Like we do get these stories, yeah. and uh, yeah, Ottawa. You know Andrew Hammond. That was a huge one uh, a few years ago. Um, I, I always like those goalie stories because you know netminers they take longer to mm-hmm. develop. And, you know, it's a position that gets a lot of attention. So I feel there's a lot of pressure on uh, goalie prospects. And maybe not so much Dylan Ferguson per se, because, uh, you know, he wasn't like a first rounder or anything. And he did have that weird circuitous uh, path. But, you know, it, it feels good. And the one that I always liked was Zach Ficali. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he did have a lot of uh, eyes on him coming up in junior. One of my favorite stories is when he played for the Halifax Mooseheads, his carpool was him, Nathan McKinnon, and Jonathan Drouin. Those mm-hmm. three drove to the rink together every day, which I just think is, like, amazing and hilarious. <laughs> and, you know, sort of getting to know all three of them over the years. Yeah. They're all just, like, super nice guys. Um, but you know, Fakali, and again, not a not a big goaltender. I think he's maybe six one. 
Um, you know, he, he never really caught on. And then I think it was last season, the Washington Capitals would have been dead, dead in the water if not for Zach Vicali coming up and 100%. giving them amazing goaltending. So it's like, you know, he finally sort of got his chance to shine. Uh, and, you know, I mean, he was at the World Juniors. Uh, but, but at the NHL level, yeah. he got his chance to shine and, uh, you know, he took advantage of it. It was just fun to see because it's a, a player that I had literally been watching since he was 16, 17 years old. That's, and, and Vukali, like the way that he, he debuted so late. You yeah. know, like, and, and he, he, like you said, he played meaningful games. That was really, really big. I have two that really stu- stu- stick out to me because, again, as well, I love these random, you know, like, the, like these random goalies who come out that go on heaters at, at really important times. Andrew Hammond is the, like, he's the, the you look up in the dictionary, he's, yeah. the, he's the photo right there. Yeah. That was a run for the ages. Yes. Like, that was, unbe- I've ne- we've never, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Probably not. He was, a, he was like a eight- 85 or whatever AHL goalie, last ditch, gets brought up and wins like 20 out of his 23 starts to will that team in the playoffs. Just a buzz Gets, gets a, yeah, get, gets a, a free McDonald's for life card. He's eating, ham, he's getting ham, he's getting meat thrown at him yeah. at games, which is the dream, That's you know. True. Um, it's remarkable, but there are two that I want to bring up, uh, at least in my eyes, and, and one of them is more of the Fucali route that, it's not like he, you know, he went on a crazy heat or anything, mm-hmm. but it's the fact that he finally debuted and he showed his medal and every. It was one's Jeff Glass, mm-hmm. so another Jeff, World Junior, goal. another high-level team. He was on that 2005 Team Can team that, that was uh, in the World Juniors that was like stacked. Like if yeah. everyone, you had like Getzlav and Perry and and you know like. Uh, you, if you name a good player from that era, yeah, they, Jeff did. Carter, all the Mike Ridge, all of those guys, they were all on that team. It's it's one of the most stacked just hockey teams ever. He was the goalie, yeah. and and you know like and then he bounced around everywhere, you know, KHL, ECHL, AHL, and he finally, finally, finally got his debut with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2017-18. You know, he was like 31 or 32, or no, he was he was pretty. He was actually he's 37 now, so he was. Yeah, I believe he was 30, he was 32 when that happened. And yeah, and he got 15 starts and he won 3-7 and 3 with an 898. But the fact that this guy finally made it. He yeah. was he, this guy went halfway across the world and back made it as well. And another one and this is going to stick uh, with Leafs fans here is this is right around the time when when I was forming actual hockey memories is the JSO band run. Do you remember him? Not really. You don't remember John Sebastian Oban? I mean, I, I remember him, but I don't remember him having. You don't like remember a, the run? A okay. Crazy run. That's well, this is so he was he was de- he was a journeyman. Like, you know, he had gone from well, he was with Pittsburgh, uh, uh, and, and he bounced around from the ECHL to the IHL to the AHL, and then, and then he was with the with the Leafs. He plays for the Marlies. It's an eight ninety nine that season. It's two thousand five two thousand six. This is the yeah, first year after the lockout. So this is the year the Leafs missed the playoffs by one point um, mm. because the. Because the, the the Devils rested Martin Broder in the final game of the regular season, and the they Islanders. need yes, and they yeah. needed the uh, uh, they needed the Devils to win. Right. They rest. They put Scott Clemenson in, and the and the, the Islanders lost, uh, won in a shootout. Um, Wade Dublovitz, uh, another one of the of these guys. Nice. But John Sebastian Band, he gets called up. Final eleven games of the season. You know there is like the Leafs are on their last hopes. It seems like there's nothing can go right. Keep in mind, eight ninety nine and forty six AHL games. He's like 27, 28 at the time. He goes on. He goes on a 9-0-2 run, wow. with a 9-24 save percentage to get them to the brink of the playoffs, 
And then nothing good ever happened after that. He, <laughs> that was it. he was their backup the next year. He put up an 876 and was wow. never seen from again, in, at least in Toronto. Then he put up an 886 the next year in Los Angeles, one away. But for those 11 games, I remember the chokehold he had on that fan base. He was the only reason they were getting close to the playoffs. He took them from, it's like if, it's like if, Dil, if Dylan Ferguson basically debuted with the Senators and led them to the playoffs. Right. Like it's the same sort of sample size here. Same, it's like if he played every game for the rest of the season against really tough opponents mm. and led them at least to the brink of the playoffs. Yep. That, was, that was a great. So that, those are my two favorite random goalies nice. uh, here. And then finally, another goalie topic here. It's a big goalie podcast. Well, small goalie, yes. uh, at least in this topic, is Devin, Devin Levi. Yes. Um, so one of the best college goaltenders, I would say, ever. Like, he, he is having an incredible... Well, he never won anything. Okay, so he never so, won anything. But in terms of go that far. actual statistics... Yeah, statistics are very good. Yes, yeah. and you have to take that up with my uh, American Pipeline co-host, Sidney Wolf, who's, who right. lists him as one of the best uh, college goalies of all time. Yeah. But Devin Levi, you know, incredible. The only thing against him, he's six feet, yes. uh, which you hate. Right. Um, and so he signs his three-year entry-level contract with the uh, Buffalo Sabres. There was some hesitancy about whether he would. Now he, he has, so he... Uh, uh, he is in the NHL. He is ready. He there is hype about another seventh round pick, mm-hmm. um, uh, but he just became an absolute monster in college and yes. was uh, arguably the most hotly anticipated goalie prospect uh, uh, of the last two years. Um, now he's in the NHL. What should we expect, considering as well that Ryan doesn't like short goalies? Yes. So I think this is going to be very similar to what our expectations should be for Dustin Wolf. Okay. Very similar goaltenders where, yeah, they don't have the size, but they've gotten results pretty mm-hmm. much wherever they've gone. Um, and, and again, you know, my, my theory goes more to playoffs. Uh, and again, you know, Northeastern never really did much damage uh, at the national tournament. Uh, when Devin Levi was there. Uh, but, I mean, he was an incredible goaltender mm-hmm. for the Huskies. Um, I, I would like to see the Sabres give him starts down the stretch, and I do see him as a goaltender that could really surprise mm-hmm. in the short term. For me, Uko Pekaluokanen is the future starter yeah. uh, in Buffalo, and I think he's already sort of shown it this year where it's like, okay. In spurts, yeah. In spurts, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Craig Anderson certainly has bailed them out on many occasions. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, I'm more comfortable with UPL because of his size. Yeah. I think Devin Levi uh, could either be that, like, the Soros backup to UPL's Pekka Rene. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of funny how, like, they're, you know, History repeats itself. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, Luokinen's Finnish and tall, and so is Rene. And, yeah. you know, Levi's the same size as Soros. Um, now, I mean, now Soros has become uh, very much a, a, a sort of a mold-breaking starter, I would say, in the modern NHL. Like, you don't have many goalies like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, talking to prospects, a lot of them look oh, yeah. uh, to Soros and say, like, yeah, like, we can relate to him. You know, like, we, we watch him, we model our game after him because, you know, we're not all six foot five. Uh, but he has shown that you can you can thrive in the NHL. Well, it's like how guys saw Pete Davidson date every model in the planet and went, I have a shot! There you go. This is great! Yeah. Yeah. Except they didn't. Exactly, um, yeah. So, you know, long term, I'm very interested to see what Devin Levi can do. I, I, I would love to see him get some starts, especially because the Sabres at this point are out of it. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to get, I, and I'm sure Buffalo will give him some yes. starts because why else would you sign him to an NHL? Why would you burn a year of his ELC? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. part of that is an enticement to sign 
on the contract. Yes, but, um, but bad, bad asset management. If you just yeah, you yeah. got you got to give him yeah. some shot. And and you know what? I mean, maybe he spends all next year in Rochester. That would be totally cool. I'm totally fine with that um, because that would be great for his development. You don't want to rush him in. Uh, but I do want to see him because he is certainly a very exciting goaltender to watch. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ryan, uh, time for rapid fire. Let's do it. Now I have uh, I have three questions for you. Okay. Um, they're somewhat not really related, but they're just ones that as I was walking here, I went, "What would I like? To, what would I just genuinely like to know from Ryan's brain?" Okay. So number one, That's a dangerous. Uh, I know. Concept. So number one is it's movie related. Okay. Um, and and I hope this translates to, I, I would say, the podcast that it, the same way it did in my brain. Who okay. is your favorite character actor? Oh, character actor. So a yeah. character actor is basically... Of that guy. A, exactly, of yes. that guy. You look at a, you look, you, you're watching a movie, a guy shows up, you go, oh, it's that guy. Like, you hey, can't, that guy. You cannot immediately get, his, get their name. Right. They're, that guy or girl. Yes. Because it can be a character actor or actress. That guy or girl, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, you know what? Uh, I'll give you one of each because uh, you open it up like that. Mm. And they're both comedic actors. Okay. Gary Cole. Yes. For sure. Ricky Bobby's dad. Ricky Bobby's in, dad. In, uh, also Lumberg in The Office. Yes. Yeah, and office many space. other things. Um, office yes. Space, sorry. Yeah. Office Space. Uh, She's then, always good. Uh, yeah, and then I'll go Judy Greer on the oh, other yeah. side. The because, queen. Yeah, Judy Greer's fantastic, and I'm a huge Archer fan, and yes. she, vo she voices Cheryl slash Carol. Um, so yeah, those are my two favorite that person. If you've ever seen a romantic comedy, ever in your life, Judy Greer is the lead's best, best friend. I think she even made a movie making fun of that comedy. No, she wrote a book. Oh, was it a called, book? Like okay. My Life is the Best Friend or there something. Like that's her, and she's good in everything. Like she's yes. awesome. I think I think she should get her leading. Like she should be the totally. the person who gets her leading role now. Yes. Um, I so I have I have a couple. Um, one is a. Uh, 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 Lisa Kikowski. She is the. I'm not. Have you seen? Have you seen uh, Neighbors, the movie, with with Zet, Zet, Oh Zet yes. Logan? Yeah. She's yeah, the yeah. real estate agent. Oh okay. That, that sells their house. She's in okay. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. She's always funny. June Diane Raphael. I'm not sure if you know her. She she has she ho she's you know Paul Shear another yes. one. So she's his wife. Oh, okay. um, and they, they also host a, a podcast called How Did This Get Made where they look at terrible movies and they laugh about it. It's great. Nice. Um, but she's in like a bunch of like I can't even. I couldn't even list all the things she's in, right. um, but she's great. Jason Manzukis oh, is yeah, my he's favorite. A good one too. He is my favorite. Every single like it doesn't whatever he's in, you, he will make you laugh. He is his, his episodes uh, when he guest judged on Nailed It are like two of the yeah. best episodes oh, of Nailed It. His his character of Rafi in the league is like I can't repeat anything he said on right. this podcast, but like if you if you want to look up Unhinged on, in the dictionary, it's yes. incredible. Um, and then uh, another one who who I enjoy. Uh, uh, is Steven Tobolowski. Oh, totally. He is just, you, you put him in anything, and yes. he, he brings this extra sort of, not gravita, but just like energy to yes. something. Yes. It's very quirky, like unhinged. He, you know, he was, really, he was really good in the first season of Glee. He, oh, was he? He, okay. played, he played a drama teacher, mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, uh, I want you to go look up Stephen Tobolowski, Josh Groban, because it's a line I can't, again, I cannot say. Gotcha. Um, but it's just, his timing is great. Also on Archer now. Oh really? Okay. Yes, he does He's just on also one of the best movie deaths ever in the movie Single White Female. Well, how do you die? Uh, high heel to the eye. Oh yeah, that's yes. how you want to go. Yeah. Um, okay, another one uh, here again, not really related, but Ryan, you know, we we been, before we started on this, uh, before we started on this show, uh, or not this show, but like before we started recording, um, mm -hmm. we were talking about how Twitter is a cesspool, and I was thinking, <laughs> right. what is your favorite take that you've ever seen on Twitter? Favorite and this could be favorite in an ironic sense, 
right. or this could be favorite in a, a favorite in like a, you actually think this is a good idea. Right. Uh, man, I, I avoid takes so much, but I guess the one that I'll say was my favorite because it led to my favorite joke was mm. there was some like some like right wing guy who was saying like boys should be this mm -hmm. and the response from somebody else was the only thing the boys need to do is be back in town. Yeah. And I thought that was the most amazing joke ever. It is. So I'll, I'll say that one. Yeah. Mine is, <laughs> and I, I named my, my fantasy team after this. It's just one single tweet that got me chuckling. It was a guy, I'm not sure, some random account that just went, <laughs> Me and my friends would have killed E.T. with hammers, I can tell you that much. Right, yeah. And that is, that is my favorite. I don't know why, but that makes me laugh. I have it screenshotted on my phone, and I look at it whenever I'm feeling down, and I named my fantasy team, I can tell you that much, after. Yeah. And it's that part that, like, it's like, we would have killed him with hammers, I can tell you that much. Uh, it got me, got me chuckling. Um, and then finally, and this is going back to the movie uh, thing here. Okay. What is a type of movie that you wish they made more of today? Because it seems like now, you know, we have you either go huge or you go yeah. small, right? Yeah. You either have a Ant-Man quantum mania yeah. that is very mid in my opinion, but it, or you have like a tiny little independent movie that gets a ton of awards. You don't really have anything. What's a type of movie yeah. that you wish they made more of? You know what? Like I feel at this point maybe it's like sort of old school like team ups. Like I never saw The Expendables because it just came out at a time that I didn't care about mm. that stuff. But like I love like the old, like the Dirty Dozen or the Magnificent, yeah. Magnificent Seven, like the originals where mm -hmm. it was like- or Like the Italian Like jobs. James Coburn was always in those and like mm. Charles Bronson. It's like, I just, I, I love movies where there's just like a bunch of people and uh, they have a task. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I, I, one for me is, and, and what's interesting is there's a reason why the, the trailer of this garnered so much attention is I miss like the, the R-rated like 90 to, to, you know, 90 to 95 minute mm. comedy with like a bit, with sort of like a big comedic actor and like a very straightforward premise, like a, like, like a super bad, but also, I mean, like, mm. like just sort of those, like you, you, they're being made for like 20, 30 million dollars, right. big name in it. There's a very sort of like, you know, this guy's gotta, gotta do this, but then this happened. You know, yes. like I love those. And there's one that came out, I can't remember what it's called, but it, but Jennifer Lawrence uh, is starring it. It's like a very straightforward, already a comedy. I think she has, like she wants to, this, this loser kid's parents like pay her to basically like I guess sort of uh, show them like what it's like to have friends and like have a okay. girlfriend and stuff. And she's doing it for the money and it, it's, it looks very funny. I wish those movies were made more because we don't Fair. see like the, we don't see like these big, not big budget, but like mid budget totally. marketable comedies yes. like get, go into theaters anymore. Yeah, and especially things that are 90 minutes. Exactly, like a, a, yeah. a quick, a lean 90. Yes. You're in and you're out, you're laughing. Great, I love those. I wish uh, we had more of those. And I wish we had more time, Ryan, but unfortunately... Hey, there's always next week. We, uh, exactly. There's always next week. This was a great episode. Um, if you want to look at this episode or any of the past episodes of any of the Hockey News uh, podcasts, you can go to hockeynews.com slash podcast as well on any of your podcatchers. We all their independent streams now, so you can go and subscribe to whichever one you want. They're lovely. Ryan, I will see you next week. Take care.